Hello, and Happy Easter! I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey from St. Peter Lutheran Church in Green, Iowa. Today is April 17th, Easter Sunday. It's good to be with you today. Whether you've been in the habit of watching these videos every week, or you're just tuning in today because you're traveling for the holiday, or however you found this message, I'm glad God has brought you here today, and I pray that you'll be encouraged by hearing the good news of Easter. I have two readings to share with you today, but first I want to let you know about a few things coming up here at St. Peter in the next few weeks. First, next weekend, April 23rd and 24th, we will have Pastor Lance Kittleson, one of the former pastors here at St. Peter. He will be with us to share the message at both Saturday and Sunday worship as we continue to celebrate our 150th anniversary this year. Then the week after that, on May 1st, it's another really big day here at church with Confirmation Sunday. We'll have seven of our students affirming their faith and becoming adult members of the congregation. And then I hope you'll stay or come for our big Philly Cheesesteak Lunch fundraiser for Luther League. And there's a Philly Cheesesteak Lunch. We'll be serving 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And during that time, there will also be a silent auction. And we have over 100 items so far. So I hope you'll be here to participate in that. Some of the items will be out next weekend at church. We'll have a few out today for Easter as well. Um, but they'll be out next weekend for you to preview and start bidding on. And then all uh, all the auction items will end at one o'clock on by one o'clock on May 1st. All proceeds go to support this year's summer trip to Pennsylvania. So thank you for your support. Then the week after that, May 7th and 8th, that will be my last weekend as pastor here at St. Peter. And then the weekend after that, Pastor Gary Hatcher, another of my predecessors here, will be here for his chance to speak for our 150th celebration. So there's a lot going on. But for today, our focus, of course, is Easter Sunday and the good news that Christ is risen. So the first reading today is the Easter story from John's Gospel. This is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So that's the good news of Easter, right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. And your response is, he is risen indeed. So Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Are you sure? How do you know? Because some of the people, even in this story, don't really seem too sure that Jesus is alive, at least not at first. The story we just read begins with Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' followers, coming to the tomb early on Sunday morning, coming to take care of the burial rituals that they had not had time to finish on Friday evening as the Sabbath was beginning. She comes to the tomb and something's wrong. In fact, everything's wrong. The body she's supposed to be anointing is just gone. It's not there. So she runs to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, who we assume is John, the one writing the story. And she doesn't say, good news, Jesus is alive. Death is defeated. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen, risen indeed. No, Mary Magdalene says, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. This is bad. This is not good news. This is terrible. It's a final insult from the empire to Jesus, the one they thought was God's Messiah, the one they believed would set them free. It wasn't enough for the empire to kill him, to execute him in the most painful, humiliatingly humiliating way possible. No, now they can't even let his body rest in peace. This is bad. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, and I love verse 4. I said we have confirmation coming up next weekend, and I would love for someone as their confirmation verse, or coming up in two weeks, I would love for someone as their confirmation verse to pick verse 4. It says, both were running, But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Remember, scholars think John, who's writing this account, is the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And he wants to make sure that for all eternity, everyone who reads this account will know he was faster than Peter. He could have been the one to go into the tomb. He could have been the one to find it empty. But he stopped at the door. And I get the feeling that decades later as he's writing this, he really wishes he'd kept going and gone in. But he stops at the entrance and he looks in and you know what? It's hard to see inside. It's early in the morning. The lighting in the cave is not good. It looks like there's some cloth there, but he can't quite make out Jesus' body. 
And then Peter catches up, and Peter doesn't hesitate. He goes right inside. Maybe he was running so hard to try to catch John that he couldn't stop. I don't know. But Peter goes right on in, and he finds the burial linens lying there and the headcloth lying separately, and Peter is confused. His first thought doesn't seem to be, Jesus is alive, but rather, if the body's been moved like Mary Magdalene said, why would the cloth still be there? Finally, the other disciple, who, let the reader note, was the first one to reach the tomb, he also goes inside. And John writes, he saw and believed. But they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They still did not understand. They go back to the others, the other followers of Jesus, but they're still uncertain. They're still not sure. And that's a common theme for a while. They believe Jesus is alive. They believe a miracle has happened. At least John believes it. But nevertheless, they spend the rest of the day hidden in a locked room, afraid of being arrested. That night, Jesus appears to them going through the locked door to get to them, and Thomas is out maybe on an errand. And even after the other ten disciples believe, Thomas spends a whole week doubting, unsure if it's really possible until Jesus appears again the next weekend to them. That very afternoon, that first Easter Sunday, Jesus spends hours in conversation with two other disciples, Cleopas and somebody else, maybe Mrs. Cleopas, maybe his wife. And they're walking from Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus. And it's not until they're ready to eat supper that they realize this person who's been walking with them, explaining the scriptures to them, is Jesus himself. That Jesus is alive. And then Luke tells us they turn around and head all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples he's alive. In the other gospel accounts of Easter, one of the common elements is that the first reactions to the good news are fear, doubt, wondering. Because the logic of the world says when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Nobody comes back from death. Easter should not be possible. Even Mary Magdalene, the one, the first one to faithfully come to the tomb in the morning, all she can do is stand weeping outside the tomb. And then when she, alone of all the people who've come to the empty tomb, when she encounters the risen Jesus, she also doesn't recognize him. It's not until Jesus speaks her name that she recognizes him and she believes. Easter is not easy to believe. Even when we've heard the story our whole lives, Easter, Easter is hard to grasp, hard to believe it's true. Plenty of people have tried to scientifically explain Easter. There's books you can buy about how the resurrection is the most attested event in human history, books all about the plethora of evidence supporting that Jesus literally, physically rose from the dead. That's great. But finally, it comes down to faith. Ultimately, for us to believe, we need Jesus to call our name. We need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to keep us in the true faith, as Martin Luther puts it in the small catechism. We need to encounter the risen Savior in our own lives. We need to recognize Jesus is our Savior. 
We need to encounter him in the waters of baptism, in the physical stuff of Holy Communion, by hearing and reading God's word. As people living in a broken world, as people all too familiar with death and suffering, it takes faith to believe that the power of death has been defeated. It takes faith to sing Alleluia, to declare the truth of the resurrection, to declare death is not the end of the story, of our story or of God's story. It takes faith to believe that death on a cross has eternal meaning, that our sins are forgiven, that God's love extends even to us, to you and to me. What if it's not true? What if it's not true? Listen to today's second reading. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes, If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead will also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Here ends the reading. So what if it's not true? Well, says Paul, then if it's not true, we of all people are most to be pitied. If Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago and he taught some nice things about loving people, even if he did some apparently miraculous healings and then he died, well, that's not unusual. There have been a lot of great moral teachers in the world, a lot of people who heroically gave of themselves to heal others, to protect others, people who put a dent in the universe. And if we gathered here at church every Sunday morning to celebrate any of them, if 2.4 billion people around the world today were claiming they had found the source of eternal life and it was some itinerant peasant teacher who was executed as a criminal, well, that'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? What a waste. We deserve the world's pity. But what if it is true? Well, if it's true, then everything changes. Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Jesus' resurrection, that means the power of death has been defeated. Easter changes the equation. Death will no longer get the last word. We are captives to sin no longer because Jesus has put our sins to death on the cross and reconciled us to God. Jesus was not just another rabbi or philosopher. He was exactly who he said he was, the Son of God, God in the flesh, God with us, the one the prophets foretold, the one scripture testifies to. The resurrection is the proof. It wasn't some plot by the disciples or some trick of the light. The tomb Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter and the other disciples found was empty. And not only empty, as if they might have the wrong tomb or something, but with the linen wrappings lying there. 
John might have believed it right away, at least the way he tells the story. But by the end of the story, all the witnesses will move from doubt to faith. Peter, Mary Magdalene, Cleopas, even Thomas believes. Most of them will eventually be so certain that they will lay down their lives for the truth of the resurrection. May God grant you and I that same faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to win arguments. We don't need to have irrefutable proof, tangible evidence to point to. There is a mystery to faith, and that's okay. We are called to live by faith. We are called to trust the witness of those who have seen, to allow their faith to carry us through the seasons of doubt. And as the Holy Spirit moves us and works in us and speaks in and through us, to join in sharing the good news, to join in the witness of all the saints. We are called to live in hope and trust, to answer and believe when Jesus speaks our name. We are called to join with all creation in praising God, giving thanks because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. If you would like to support our work here at St. Peter, you can give online at stpetergreen.com giving, or you can use your phone and find our congregation on the Vanco Giving app. Or if you don't have envelopes and you would like some, let the church office know and you can get those in the mail to send in your offering. And thank you for your support and generosity. Finally, we still have some openings here at church for our church directory photos for the makeup date coming up on Wednesday, April 27th. That's about, what, 10 days from now? So if you were not able to get your picture taken for the directory in February, please call the church office as soon as possible and we'll get you signed up. There's still just a few slots left. Now, receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.